Good afternoon, everybody. Hello. I think folks are beginning to enter the room. Give people another minute before we get started. Good afternoon. I'm Caitlin Baggett-Davis, President-Elect of City Club of Portland, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to today's program. Before we begin, I want to acknowledge that the land we are on is native land and was stolen from people who lived here for thousands of years. Together, we recognize their unbreakable connections to this land, and we honor the resilience of their ancestors and the hope for future generations. With this debate cycle, City Club sustains a tradition of more than 100 years of candidate debates. While much has changed, City Club continues to be an independent and nonpartisan community committed to providing a space for people to gather and participate in lively conversations about the critical issues confronting our region. Since our founding, City Club has been a champion for this kind of civic engagement, creativity over partisanship, and the common good over narrow self-interests while holding space for new voices to be heard. We are building and stewarding an open and inclusive public square where all Oregonians are welcome for the exchange of ideas, discussion, and debate about the issues that matter most in our communities and at the ballot box. Today, City Club is hosting a debate between two candidates running for Portland City Council position number two, incumbent Commissioner Dan Ryan and challenger A.J. McCreary. As we get started, I want to recognize and thank the producer of today's debate, Leslie Johnson, and I also want to thank our American Sign Language interpreters, C.M. Hall and Andrew Tolman, and the entire volunteer events committee for working so hard to make this event and the whole debate series possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. City Club has been sustained over all these years through the generous support of our members, individual donors, foundations, nonprofits, and businesses, large and small. Today, we're grateful for the collective support of all of our members and donors. I would also like to thank our partners at X-Ray FM for sharing this program with those who will be listening on the radio and podcast later on. It is now my pleasure to welcome my friend, Lisa DeZono, moderator for today's debate. As Clear Results Senior Corporate Counsel, Elisa manages all litigation and employment issues for one of the largest providers of energy solutions in North America. Previously, she was a litigation and government relations partner at Miller Nash, where she was recognized multiple times as a top 25 women Oregon super lawyer. In 2019, she received the Oregon Women Lawyers Robertson and Diaz Award for her work to empower women and marginalized communities in the legal profession. 
And before working in law, Elisa spent 12 years in public affairs and media. She ran the Clinton-Gore presidential reelection campaign in Oklahoma and served in lead communications roles for Governor John Kitzhaber, Portland Mayor Vera Katz, and the Port of Portland. What a resume. She was the first woman and minority to chair the Oregon State Lottery Commission and the first Asian American to chair the Metro Expo Recreation Commission. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Caitlin. And welcome to City Club's debate for Portland City Council position two featuring incumbent commissioner Dan Ryan and challenger Alana A.J. McCreary. So I'm going to start by providing some background on the role of Portland City Council. And these notes come from the 2019 City Club Research Report, New Government for Today's Portland, Rethinking 100 Years of the Commission System. So all city governments are organized to exercise power under four main categories, executive authority, implementing city ordinances and policy, managing the city's personnel and resources, Second, administrative authority, the more day-to-day -day or street-level functioning of city government. Third, legislative authority, mostly uh, the power to approve municipal budgets, pass city laws or ordinances, and create policies. And fourth, quasi-judicial authority, mostly limited to land use and similar specialized and highly local appeals and decision-making via hearings. The city of Portland has a variation of the commission form of government that is unique for its size. We have a mayor and four commissioners, all of whom are elected citywide in nonpartisan at-large elections. The members of the city council jointly exercise all types of authority, largely by majority rule. All five members serve as executive heads of city bureaus. The mayor has the power to appoint and remove commissioners from their assigned bureaus and departments, but otherwise only has one vote of the five on city council, which is why it's frequently called a weak mayor system. All of the commissioners, including the mayor, have broad authority to run their departments and bureaus. They can hire and fire top management. They may or may not engage a professional top manager or administrator. The mayor and two commissioners run for election every four years, and then two years later, the other two commissioners and the city auditor run. This system has been in place with the same size city council since 1913. In that same period, the city's population has grown from 200,000 to nearly 640,000, to say nothing of the changes in diversity of the population and of the range of business, social, and cultural activities. We are currently in the midst of a once every 10 years charter review process. As many of you know, the Charter Review Commission recently settled on a number of recommendations for reforming Portland's form of government to expand city council to allocate membership to specific districts and to centralize management of the day-to-day -day operations in the mayor and a professional city administrator. If you're interested in more specifics on potential reforms, go to portlandoregon.gov slash OMF slash charter dash review dash commission. So with that background, we have about one hour and 15 minutes for this debate. And I know you're eager to hear from the candidates. So I'm gonna outline the ground rules and then we'll begin. Each candidate will have two minutes for an opening statement. Once the statements have concluded, we'll move on to my questions for the candidates, which will include a lightning round. Each candidate will have an opportunity to answer each question. Once the moderated questions have concluded, the candidates will ask one question to their opponent. From there, we'll move on to audience questions. City Club has solicited questions in advance from members in the community and all viewers who registered on the City Club link. 
I'm going to select from these questions. One unique hallmark of this season's debate is what we're calling a free speech pass. If a candidate wants to rebut a point made by their opponent, extend their own answer time, or clarify a response, the candidate simply needs to use a free speech pass. Each candidate has one pass worth 30 seconds each. Finally, we'll close the debate with a two-minute statement from each candidate. For your information, we have a City Club staff person online backstage to provide timing reminders to the candidates, and we have the power to mute a candidate who goes over. Our intention is to distribute questions and time equally. However, as moderator, I reserve the right to follow up or ask for clarification, and should it be appropriate and helpful to the discussion. And with that, um, before we opened the program, we flipped a coin to determine who would give opening remarks first. And uh, Alana, AJ McCreary is going to go first. AJ, you have two minutes, please begin. Thank you, thank you for having me. My name is Alana Joy McCreary, but I go by AJ and I'm running for Portland City Council seat number two. I am a single parent, a light-skinned black woman, a community organizer, artist, renter, non-driver, and a problem solver. I was born and raised in Portland. I went to Benson High School. I remember a Portland where my mom could time me to the minute if I was taking the bus because transit here was that reliable. This is my home. This is the city that has shaped me. I'm rooted in this community so much that it has helped me raise and educate my son, Hobbs, who is homeschooled, homeschooled, a local artist, ballet dancer. He's kind of a superstar. I know that my kid wouldn't be the human he is without this community. I know I wouldn't be the human that I am without this community. I had my kid when I was in college and I'm the only parent he has. I've relied on social service programs, community-based organizations, and the kindness of those in this community to get by. And that is why you can always find me in community because it is in this community where I feel most at home, rooted and connected. But right now, I do not recognize the city we've become. There is an incredible amount of unmet need and ever since I've been lifted out of a position of need, I've strived to be the kind of person I hope to meet on my darkest day. Which is why I've been filling in the gaps, pouring resources and support into the community for folks living on the margins. As the executive director at Equitable Giving Circle, a Black-led nonprofit I helped found, I have led the charge to raise and invest over $4 million over the past two years to support our most vulnerable Portland families. We have supported over 25,000 Black, Brown, Indigenous, and immigrant households across Portland. Through our weekly CSA program and our food pantry program, we prioritize the sourcing of fresh produce from local uh, farmers and small businesses. I'm also one of the founding members um, and on the leadership team of MomBlog, a large network of moms showing up to take care of one another. It's mutual aid in real time. We have fed over 800 PPS families when PPS uh, cut nutrition services during the 2020 wildfires. And we've provided AC units or hotel vouchers to over 100 families during the deadly heat wave last summer. People know me as a doer, a solution-based data-driven bridge builder. And you can see that through my work on the ground in real time in my supporting and raising of capital for enrichment programs, housing and direct care. Portland is in crisis right now. Our housing issues are growing. Public safety is not a concept we experience. Um, and climate change is no longer a future threat. It's a right now threat. Unfortunately, Sorry, AJ, we're that, that's time. Uh, you're a little bit past time, um, actually. So we are moving on to Commissioner Ryan. Thank you, Elisa, and the good people at City Club for providing a venue where dialogue and debate remain the mission. Hello, everyone. My name is Dan Ryan. I was elected to the Portland City Council. 
less than a year and a half ago, and I'm just getting started, and I look forward to serving my hometown for a full term. I said yes to being a leader for our city at a time when the majority are frustrated. I know, I was one of them. In fact, for me, it started over a decade ago. I would think, why are local government leaders tolerating the intolerable? And since my arrival, I've been focused on results for homelessness, community safety, economic recovery, and with a committed lens to racial equity and climate justice. I embraced my lived experience of losing my brother on the streets with a dual diagnosis of mental health and behavioral health, and have had the courage to disrupt the houseless industry's uh, housing first playbook to a much needed reset towards a service first playbook, which includes on-ramps for those who are chronically homeless to receive services and assessments that leads to successful housing, work, and life. I stopped the defunding slogan from becoming a failed solution and pivoted and have been building a community safety system with concrete steps towards restorative justice. I called out and tackled the notoriously flawed permitting system, a failed system that really works for no one and has become a major roadblock for building affordable housing and economic recovery in general. Today, we are moving to an efficient streamlined system. And I worked with the Office of Tribal Relations and denied industries further development of fossil fuels in our city. After living with HIV since the early 80s, I received the official AIDS diagnosis in 1995. I came home to be near my sister since I knew she would tolerate me. Fortunately, new medicine emerged and that same doctor who told me to make plans told me to get back to work. And here I am 27 years later, continuing to be of service to my hometown. Like me, I know Portland will come back and we'll have another chance. We are both long-term survivors and I know Portland's best days lie ahead. I look forward to expanding on these opening thoughts as we spend this hour together. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, it's, it's, it's a special pleasure for me as a North Portlander to be here with both of you who I know are both North Portland uh, residents. So um, we've talked a lot about um, over the past couple of weeks with many community members um, familiar with the Portland City Council and your race in particular. Um, where we've, and so we've developed a series of questions related to city area issues and our communities. You're gonna have 90 seconds to respond to each of these questions. At 90 seconds, please complete your sentence. Um, we'll have a timer behind the scenes who will indicate your time is up. And as AJ's already learned, we, if you continue beyond that, uh, you will be muted and, and we'll move on. So um, please do try and keep track of the, of the time cues. Um, so to get into the spirit of the debate and get us all warmed up, we're going to start with a short practice lightning round of questions. You ready? Both of you are going to have to answer these. Burgers or pizza? Start with Commissioner Ryan. Burgers. AJ? Neither. Books or Kindle? AJ? Books. Books. Soccer or football? Commissioner Ryan. Uh. Football. Neither. Basketball all day. I'm with you, AJ. <laughs> okay, so now that we are warmed up, we're going to get <laughs> the real questions. Um, since AJ went first in opening remarks, Commissioner Ryan will respond first here. We're going to start with a question about the form of government. As I mentioned earlier, the Charter Review Commission recently made a number of recommendations for changes to the city charter. charter. One of those suggested changes is creating four districts for city council positions. Do you agree that elections by smaller districts instead of at-large citywide um, 
elections will improve governance and the quality of representation in the city council. Why or why not? And if so, what is your sense of how those districts should be created and what criteria would be most useful to those determinations? First of all, I want to thank the City Club for being a leader on this issue for some time. Thank you for your persistence. I was one of those voters back in, I think it was the, about 20 years ago, that voted yes on reforms to the city charter. I think it was me and about two other people. No, really, it was a, it was a pretty low turnout, but I think uh, it was like 20%. I'm really all in for geographic representation throughout our city. I think that's very necessary. And I really want to applaud the work of the Charter Review Commission. All of us on City Council helped appoint people. And I'm actually really looking forward to the robust dialogue that we'll do with them and amongst ourselves soon. I definitely am all in for an executive branch, a legislative branch, and we definitely need a city manager. It's very important that we get out of the silos that we currently can be in when we're just focused on our bureaus. In my time in office, I've tried to act as if we've already changed the form of government. So I'm looking forward to diving into the details. I'm definitely all in for geographic representation and I think we're on the right path and I'm looking forward to this being on the ballot in the fall. Hey Jay. Um, I'm also in agreement with the changing of the charter. I am part of the Charter Commission outreach program and it is definitely a need in our city to make these changes. I an absolute agreement that we need more people on city council and in city hall making decisions. We need more representation, not less. Um, and I do think that having intentional um, folks from different districts is really important. It'll be interesting to see how we actually redefine districts because we know the history of how we have intentionally excluded people in, um, in the way that we line things up and try to mark stuff out. This definitely needs to be a community-led process. So as we are moving forward, I'm definitely in full support and excited of the ways that we have are starting to see things happen within that space. Uh, we need to definitely engage more community in the decision-making process so that we have an outcome that supports everybody. I'm just going to follow up briefly because I'm not sure that I heard from actually either of you um, if you have an opinion on how the districts should be created um, and what criteria should be should be used in, in those determinations. Um, we'll start with AJ and then and then uh, Commissioner Ryan. Well, I think it should be a city, I mean, a community-led process. When we're talking about the districts, we also need to be making sure that we have representation from the most marginalized folks. So we need to be thoughtful about that, um, looking at both the income levels as well as the needs of different communities when we are breaking up into which who is going to be representing whom. Uh, this definitely, again, needs to be a community-led process in terms of exactly where those lines are and the fly of the moment, I cannot tell you. Uh, I think that would be irresponsible and uh, unrealistic on my part, but I do believe that we need to have a deeper representation from folks that are black and brown in city council, in city hall, in real time. Thank you. Commissioner Rice. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that geographic representation is necessary. I really look forward to diving into the details. I'm not sure how many we need from each district at this moment, but I know that I am pleased to hear that there's multiple. I also not sure at this moment if it should be four 
uh, sections of the city, or maybe because I was born and raised in North Portland, went to Roosevelt High School, I always wonder, wait, where's the fifth quadrant? So I, I am wondering if it should be four or five or six. So I look forward to that conversation as well. Why I have the floor, I want to acknowledge that our campaign finance reform work that we've done in the city of Portland has been game changing and that's foundational. So having that as a foundation with this on top of it is really going to make us, I think, have the most progressive uh, system in terms of how we include people in elected office. Thank you. Um, if the forms are um, pr proposed by the Charter Review Commission, make it to the November ballot, there will likely be an education campaign about the districts, the changing structure, and ranked choice voting, which is another component of the current proposal. What role do you see yourself playing in that campaign? Uh, AJ, you go first in this one. Uh, well, I'd say, I mean, right now I've been teaching and educating community about what charter is and getting folks informed and participating in that process. And in the next, uh, you know, phase of this process, I hope to be doing the exact same, helping educate people and get folks informed and helping answer questions so that people feel informed. Something that we see at City Hall right now that needs to change is the lack of information actively ongoing, being sent out to community. We definitely have an issue with outreach and marketing. Um, and that is something that I'm skilled at and excited to participate in helping get our community more informed. We can't say that our community doesn't understand or doesn't know. The issue is that they're not being given the information, myself included, appropriately. So in the next phase of this, I definitely want to be a helper in getting information to people and getting people excited and engaged because being civically engaged is critical to the future of our city and also to liberation for everybody. Yeah, well, because of my experience currently on city council for the past year and a half and the opportunity to dive deeply with the good people from the Charter Review Commission, I'll definitely have more information. So my first goal will be to be an information source. And I think because of what I've witnessed in the past, change is hard for people. So I don't want to underestimate that uh, if we don't get out there and have dialogue and release information and allow people to really understand this, then we could once again see ourselves with the same archaic form of government that we've had for over a century. So I'm really looking forward to being part of the team that helps Portlanders understand where we, where we land on this reform. And while we're on the topic, um, uh do you, either of you have an opinion um, on ranked choice voting? Commissioner Ryan. I have just studied it a bit in New York City. It seems like it worked out really well. And so my limited knowledge of it at this moment is that it's a step in the right direction. So I trust, I also want to trust the work that's been going on for the last um, year and a half by the Charter Review Commission. They've actually, as volunteers, dove in deeply to this issue. And so I'm really looking forward to their presentation and hearing more about why they chose to dive into ranked uh, choice voting. But it seems much more inclusive. So I will be uh, looking at that with a favorable lens. Thank you. AJ? I'm also in support, but the way that I like to organize and lead also is a community-driven process. And so I'd be curious how our community is responding to that and also feels about it. So while I'm in support, I definitely think more conversation and um, community needs to be brought into before we're moving forward in sort of any one policy or one vibe. Thank you. In the uh, present structure, 
the city as a city council member, you would be assigned to oversee one or more bureaus or departments. If you had your choice, Commissioner Ryan, you may have already had your, your choice, what would your first choice be? And what of your qualifications and experience best suit you to that choice? Um, and do you have particular reforms already in mind? Commissioner Ryan? Yeah, when I, I was elected in September of 2020, the mayor did engage me in a brief dialogue about my choices. I said, first and foremost, I'm just ready to serve. I did ask if there could be bureaus that had some overlap so I could look at systemic reforms. And so I was pleased with the dotted line relationship to the county who runs all the homeless services to be that person on the city council that's appointed to the homeless services. And I also liked that a few months later, the mayor added the housing bureau. There's a direct continuum from people living on our streets, chronically homeless, all the way to building on ramps, to building generational wealth, being homeowners. And so I really enjoy the fact that there's a continuum that I brought to the dais in that narrative. Uh, and, and finally, I think BDS actually is also systemically connected. One of our biggest roadblocks to affordable housing, to residents getting their kitchen remodeled is, uh, and small businesses just merely wanting to add a window is our permitting system. I know it's a little policy wonky, but our permitting system has been plaguing our city for some time. And I dove in with Commissioner Maps to lead reforms so that we can really build a more streamlined, efficient system. And I'm really proud of the fact that we brought everybody together, meaning all eight bureaus that do permitting and also um, customers on the outside so that we can have honest, difficult tension in the meetings, which really proves to be the best policy. And more importantly, to start to do better practice. Thank you. AJ? Um, I'd say the two, the top two uh, bureaus that I'm most interested in working with are housing and civic life. Um, and mainly because I have an experience and I also have a really robust uh, solutions for both. Um, housing is critical because we need to really support community members from being houseless and getting into a path of recovery and to get housed. And we need to be focused on same long-term solutions. My work at Equal Giving Circle, we've done some work around housing and I'm very passionate and knowledge about it. I'd also say civic life because I really believe uh, that is part of the heartbeat of our city and how we are starting to connect folks to City Hall and heal the community. Right now we are in crisis and we need a lot of healing and civic life has a great opportunity to start being the bridge. Um, we are the city of bridges and we need to you know, start acting like it. Um, I think that within city civic life, there's an opportunity to help get folks more engaged and educated around what is happening in our city and how we come together and heal. Uh, I probably could go on and on, but I'm also close to time. So I'd say the two that I really want to focus on are housing and civic life. And I do know that my skill set um, will really help make some really impactful changes that will both be felt now and for future generations. Switching topics a bit, after um, decades of decline, Portland's murder rate has gone up in recent years. 2021 was a record year for homicides. Gun violence generally is increasing. Is Portland less safe than it was five years ago? Why or why not? Do you have proposals for addressing concerns about public safety? And can you identify measures already in place that are working? AJ, you take this one first. Absolutely. That's a really important question. And yes, uh, our city is getting, has changed the safety 
And a big part of that is because we are not resourcing community. We're not invested in Portland. We keep investing in the police and police do not make us safer. Uh, Well-resourced communities are safe communities. And it's important that we start investing in things that work, that we're looking at the data. Portland Street Response is a program that has piloted and now citywide, and we need to really in depth invest in that work, as well as making sure that we're telling community this is a service that is available um, and that they can tap into. We need to be really intentional about the ways that we are moving from our crisis and into a space of safety. Public safety is critical. And I'm coming from this as a black woman of a, and a mom of a black child. I remember Portland that looked and felt very different um, and the gun violence here is something that is definitely growing by the day. And it would change if we start resourcing our communities differently. If we start investing in community, if we start investing in streetlights, if we start investing more in Portland street response, if we get sidewalks, really thinking about the outcomes that we want, we can't keep investing in the same old stuff. We have to invest in something different. And that includes the way that we are looking at public safety and gun violence. Thank you. Commissioner Ryan. Yes, uh, thank you. Definitely there's been an increase in crime and it's been on the rise now for a couple of years and it's, it's sad. And one of the reasons why I reached out to Commissioner Rubio once, when she was elected and we were looking at our first response to gun violence was how important it is to invest in community to be a part of the response. And so we invested millions into working with uh, community members that are most impacted by gun violence. Because when you look around the country and you see cities that are actually clearing their cases, their criminal cases, you, it's because of the trust between impacted communities and the police force. And so it's really important that we build those bridges. In the ride-alongs I've done with the organizations, mostly in East County, that have received those investments, I was really taken with the bridge building they're doing with the families that have lost a loved one uh, to crime and also with the security that's throughout our city, not just police, but those who work, say, security at a club downtown. It's about communication. It's about building relationships. And on that note, I was really clear that it's so important when we cut anything to repurpose it towards an investment. So before I got in office, I thought it was smart to get the seed money to build Portland Street Response, which I'm a strong advocate for. I did question why it closes at eight o'clock because I know that most of the phone calls often come in to the dispatch in the evening and in the night hours. But I do believe that we're on the right path. We have to have an integrated first responder system. And I'm grateful that we're building that in the city of Portland. Uh, AJ, are you exercising your free speech pass? Yeah, I just quick question for uh, Commissioner Dan Ryan. Didn't you vote against that though? Is this the question to the opponent time yeah. or is this free speech time? I'm just going to free speech time. Oh, well, I think it's really, well, I'll just go this way. But then she says, really, okay. If I'm not going to ask a question, I'm going to say in my 30 seconds, it's really important that we are looking at our current commissioner's track record because it's really important that what they're saying now is they're trying to get reelected matches what they've been doing or what they have not been doing because i'm really not sure if that's all in alignment with your track record oh 
free speech moment, 30 seconds, here I go. So I was really clear that we were expanding Portland Street response. I've been fully supportive of it. We did reach a moment where we put money into the contingency as we were waiting for data to see what was the right way to build forward. Like you, AJ, I'm a data-driven wonk at times. And so I just wanted to see the information so we can make strategic decisions as we were building forward. There were no delays in the expansion. It, I think that I think AJ is correct though. Wasn't there a vote at one point that you did vote against the street response expansion, at least until for um, a six-month decided, term. Yeah, the majority decided that it was wise to let the data come out from PSU and then to put it in contingency so the money could be freed up after we received that information. Okay. Um so we're still um, kind of along the um, lines of police, so you, you might have a chance to keep on expanding on that a little bit. Um, Portland Police Bureau and police accountability have dominated the headlines for years. The Bureau has struggled to live up to the terms of its settlement agreement with the Department of Justice. And recently, Mayor Wheeler proposed putting a key component of oversight imposed by the federal courts, the Citizen Oversight Committee, on hiatus because it is having difficulty filling its its um, membership and maintaining its staff support. What do you think is most necessary to accomplish meaningful change in the effectiveness of the police bureau and its relationship to Portlanders? Are more police part of the answer? And Commissioner Ryan, you get to go first on this one and then AJ. Yeah, we've been in a lot of conversations with both the Portland Police uh, Bureau when it comes to the Portland Police Association, when it comes to our contract negotiations, and also with the Department of Justice on negotiations as well. And there's been some great outcomes of that. I think it is very important to always keep a system in place. I think Portland, the state of Oregon in general, has a tendency to shame something, close it down, but not replace it with something um, immediately. And that's never good, whether it's a so sobering station, a mental health hospital, or an oversight group that's much needed uh, to keep the checks and balances in order. So I will. I want further conversation with the mayor about what he recently mentioned. I'm excited that in the with the DOJ negotiations, we will have a dean of training that will be a civilian dean of training. That's a, definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, Body-worn cameras will be implemented into the budget where we will not allow the police to look at it before they write the report, but we'll have the transparency that Portlanders have been asking for. And so those are just a couple of the reforms that I'm really grateful for. I also like that in the police negotiations, we now have a really concrete, clear discipline guide. And so we're building transparency and we're building morale. Quite frankly, we have to recruit more police, but they can be police uh, that are more like social workers. I look forward to the increase of peace officers on our streets. AJ. Uh, so my first response to the question is absolutely no. Uh, I think it's really important for us to look at, again, data. If we want a different experience, we need to do things differently. And I'm sorry, you mean, you mean no, that we don't need more police officers on no the No to more police. Police are not keeping us safe. Um, police have a rooted history in white supremacy and harm. They were created to keep people enslaved. We cannot reform that experience. We can grow out of that. Investing in the Portland Street response is critical. Definitely having body cameras, but we cannot expect 
police to be solving the problems. We need to actually get to the root of the issues and we need to actually move away from these systems that haven't worked. We have hundreds of years of data that tells us the police are keeping us safe, that are not working for us. So to commit to that, that narrative or that experience says we don't actually want change and we don't actually want to move forward. It's saying that we want to keep things the status quo and that's not the solution. Myself, Portlanders, Everybody that I meet, even strangers in an Uber drive and an Uber ride at the grocery store, they want a different experience. We deserve a different experience. We expect a different experience. If we are a liberal place that is progressive, we need to actually be investing in the things that are liberal and progressive and moving us forward into a different experience. And so absolutely, let's invest in Portland Street Response and community-based organizations who are actually doing preventative work to crimes, which keeps us all safe. Okay, we're gonna to switch topics again. We know that people are houseless in Portland for an array of reasons, including but not limited to the cost and availability of housing, lack of employment or low pay, mental health issues, criminal records, substance abuse. And there's a tension in the local discussion about solutions between emphasizing short-term temporary shelters to get more people off the streets and sidewalks and into cleaner, safer environments, and the longer term work of building a meaningful supply of affordable permanent housing. Where do you put yourself on this spectrum and why? Uh, first, um, AJ and then Commissioner Ryan. Uh, I'm really here for some long-term solutions. Currently the, way, the reason why we have this crisis growing in the way that it is, is because we just keep moving short-term solution to short-term solution, moving houses folks from being houses outside to another different kind of houses outside is inhumane and wrong. It's also a big waste of dollars. I know that our community at large would like to have a different experience and we are a compassionate community and would like to see people taken care of. And so we really need to be looking at the income inequalities. We need to be looking at getting people into long-term solutions. We need to be thinking about home ownership. Shelters don't address any root issues. It just moves it from one place to the other. And so we can't criminalize houselessness. We cannot criminalize our neighbors. We need to start supporting people and again, address the root issues in real time. Um, right now we're just wasting money. What is like some, the last report that I was reading was like hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars have been addressing this issue over the last couple of years and outside looks like worse. I don't think our current model of, of change is working. And so we really need to be addressing the root issues, creating long-term solutions, and actually having a trauma-informed, humane, care-driven, thoughtful housing, which we currently don't have. Yeah, thank you for this question. You know, I come at this from definitely from a lived experience. You know, when you lose a brother on the streets in Portland, who had a dual diagnosis and it was really difficult to find services. So there's a reason why I've been disrupting the narrative to really say, let's talk about services first. I think sometimes we polarize the issue between shelter and housing, and it's really about getting information from all of our houseless individuals on the ground. I led the effort to sign a contract with Community Solutions. They have a Built for Zero program nationally, and they do real-time data, operational data. We don't have those data sets right now. You can interview 100 people and you'll have 100 different stories on why someone is homeless. And sure, there are so many people that can move quickly into housing. And then there's others 
who are on our streets, who are suffering from dual addiction like my brother. And we just happen to live in the state with the highest number of untreated addicts with the lowest number of treatment centers. And so at, I hope in the gubernatorial races, it continues to be a big issue because being in last place for behavioral health and for mental health systems is not a winning combination. I know everyone that's on the street is not a dual diagnosis, but I do think that there are more than, we're, than we admit. And I do think that the, the fact that Portland has drawn people actually to live here uh, because we unfortunately tolerate the intolerable with an open air drug market. And the new drugs are really harsh and very dangerous. I know this from talking to people on the streets. Thanks. The pandemic and working from home, the absence of the business community and the shutdown of arts and culture venues did major damage to the financial viability of down Portland's downtown, which many feel was exacerbated further by protests. My former boss, um, Mayor Vera Katz, felt that the health of downtown was vital to the health of the city overall, but the public is getting mixed signals about the prospects for downtown. Is the downtown core safe uh, for business and events? Do we need to restore people's appetite for supporting downtown? If so, why and how? Commissioner Ryan, you're first and then AJ. Absolutely. And first and foremost, I can say that as the foot uh, traffic increases, I do think try crime will decrease. There is safety in numbers. I've noticed that just in the last four weeks, I've been back at the office and it's been nice each week to see an uptick of people on the streets. I think we most recently had a gathering of basketball fans. That is my number one sport as well. And they were here for the NCAA tournament. And it was exciting to see joy on our streets once again. I'm excited also for the fact that we have community festivals coming up, a Rose Festival reunion or Rose City reunion for the Rose Festival, followed by the Pride Festival and then Juneteenth. We need, Portlanders need to come back on the streets and celebrate, and that will really help quite a bit. I'm leading an effort to make sure in the spring bump that we include investments from Prosper Portland to make sure that we have repair grants and also stabilization grants in the budget next year. Our small businesses have been hammered by vandalism, and there's been quite an uptick and increase in their insurance costs based on this. And so City Hall needs to be there for our small businesses they are the backbone of our city's economy and they are the revenue streams that we must covenant. Uh, I think that this is an opportunity for us to reimagine downtown. Uh, small businesses are nimble and also we need to support small businesses coming into a time that is different. We are coming out of this pandemic, hopefully. The numbers are still sus, but we are moving out of that experience and we need to help our small business adjust. We need to prioritize absolutely having, you know, art festivals, street fairs, uh, cultural events. Um, City Hall can absolutely be supporting that. One of the ways that we can help get folks moving downtown is have fareless transit. That is a definite attraction to helping people come into the area and be excited and making it accessible. Uh, I think that when we're talking about downtown, we absolutely have to be reimagining for the future. A lot of these conversations that we're having right now, they're trying to keep us in the same place. They're trying to go back to pre-pandemic. What the pandemic has shown us is that Portlanders, people everywhere are not interested in going backwards. They're interested in moving forward. And so really reimagining the way that we are moving downtown, that we are existing downtown. We have a lot of you know, empty office buildings. Why aren't we looking at turning those into affordable housing? Why aren't we looking about you know, really reimagining what we have into a place that we want to be? 
Uh, when we think about Portland, let's be thinking about making this a place that works for five-year-olds and 85-year-olds. And to do that, that means we're not going backwards in our planning. We're moving forward in real thoughtful ways. I'll do my 30-second uh, thing. Okay. Right? Uh, I think you... Oh, I, what's that? I was going to say, I think you used it um, to respond. Oh, I thought we got two. Seconds. Oh, I thought we got two. Okay, sorry. Just one free speech pass. Sorry. Um, so uh, it's a good segue, though, into our into our final question um, of this portion of the debate. Um, by now, uh, we all know someone who has moved away or is talking about moving away from Portland because of taxes, cost of living, violence, homelessness, um, or other reasons. What are your best arguments for staying and investing in Portland's in Portland's future? Um, and I think this one we go to AJ first, and then Commissioner Ryan. Uh, well, Portland is my home. I have left and come back many a times, and I do truly love Portland. The things that I love about Portland is that it's a rainforest. It's a place that has had economic um, and environmental harm and moved out of that and been able to recover. We are a place that is committed to being you know, progressive, and those are value sets that I have. And I want to be a part of the change. I want to see Portland sort of grow into the place that was talked about when I was a young child. I believe in Portland as just as community members. I'm doing a lot of work on the ground and have the opportunity to be in community with folks. And I believe that we just need some shifts in leadership and some shifts in our values and priorities in City Hall, because what's happening in City Hall doesn't mirror what is wanted in the city as far as residents and community members. I love this place. I wouldn't be here if I didn't love it. And I do truly believe that we can work together to have a different experience. And you can see my work with Equal Giving Circle and Mom Block. If I didn't love the city, I would not be doing that work. I want to take those vibes to a city level and help us really transform our, our, our lived experience here. Um, that's why I'm here. And I would tell people, get to know your neighbors in Portland if you're not sure about this place, because the people in Portland are loving and caring people. Uh, we just need different leadership to help us shift our values in a larger way. Yeah, first I want to acknowledge the frustration of many voters. I too have lost some friends that have moved out of the city over the past two years. And it, it, it's sad. They're people that have done a lot of civic engagement and given so much time and money and loved on our city. And so I do think that it's important for government to, to really try to, we need to improve the services that people are receiving um, instead of decrease those services when they're, when people's taxes are going up, property taxes. So I get the equation. I'm also here to say that I get to witness every day the good work of this city, especially the city employees. I see our first responders not missing one beat during the COVID epidemic. I've seen all the uh, bureaus respond the best they can to figure out how to be of service during COVID and during virtual uh, service that they've been giving. My point is people have been working their tails off to try to keep our city running during this time. And I wanna say that this is a city that's always attracted small businesses. It's always had a creative economy. And one reason I'm so focused on affordable housing for essential workers and also for artists is because we need them to be a part of our, our fabric. We need that vibrant joy in our streets that they create. And I'm really excited to know that we're leading the nation in B Corp investments. And I think we can really uh, capitalize on that as well as really do something about the green economy. One reason I focused on permitting is because it's impact 
affecting everything, especially our solar economy. And we need to be the leader in that. Thank you. Uh, this is the portion where uh, we have set aside time for each of you to ask a question of the other. So please be succinct, keep your question to about 20 seconds and please do state it as a question. Each candidate will have 60 seconds for the response. For this uh, round, Commissioner Ryan goes first and then AJ. AJ, I've really enjoyed the few times we've been together. I really um, enjoy hearing about your service to our city and I'm learning a lot about what you what you've done, your values, and it's it's been incredible. I would love to um, know more about uh, how you think, and so what I'm, and I also realize we have a different uh, thoughts about how to move forward. That's my way of saying, AJ, would you have tea or coffee with me on May 18th? I have to ask my child because I my schedule is very much related to him, and so cannot say yes because we might be doing very different things together on May 18th. AJ, your question to Commissioner Ryan. Um, my question for you, based off of hearing you use uh, language about trauma-informed housing, I'm curious what your definition of trauma-informed approaches to housing are. I think it's really important to know that one size doesn't fit all. And so I've always looked at a lot about trauma-informed as the individualized um, agency of the, of the person and meeting them where they are. I really am a big believer in building resilience and really tapping into that desire. Uh, I know, I just know with my brother on the streets, when someone is in his condition who has been using uh, drugs and going away from uh, mental health therapy, but instead medicating on the street, it just became so difficult to reach him. One will choose their addiction over the love of their family. That's just common. And so how can we, as a county and as a city, be more responsive uh, to those on our streets? And how can we stop being the chief enabler, but actually leading with real compassion and real services? And, and that's what I know Portland can do. And that's what I know the state of Oregon can, can move forward on. And I want to be a part of the leadership that blows the whistle on our failures in this manner and builds something that we can all be proud of. All right, we have a final lightning round, a little bit on the more serious side, still city issues. Um, so I will ask a series of short questions and please respond with one word or one short sentence. Uh, first, should outdoor seating for restaurants be permanent? AJ and then Commissioner Ryan. Absolutely. Of course, everyone's enjoying it. Like you got to feed what's working. Okay, should we return the elk and the fountain to the park blocks? Commissioner Ryan. Yes, indeed. Restore the elk exactly as it, was, as it was with the fountain. It's a focal point of our city and we can build all the wonderful infrastructure that we need around it. Sure, though I don't feel like the elk is a priority. Fair enough. Uh, do we need more or less bike paths and traffic commerce within Portland city limits? AJ. We do, but we also need to be making sure that they're safe because currently we have quite a few bike lanes that are not safe for drivers or riders or walkers. Commissioner Ryan? Yeah, I think the right amount. And I think that it, it's good that we're, that we're experimenting with this and we need to study it. And I really appreciate Commissioner Hardesty's leadership on this. And finally, who or what is your favorite Portland icon? Uh, Commissioner Ryan, and then AJ. Oh, such a long list. Um, you know what? 
Vera Katz. Um, I know her son, her former husband, and I met her and got to know her really well. She was on the board at the ballet. She loved this city and she had the chutzpah to take action. I'd say our honorary black mayor, Paul Knowles, is definitely one of my favorite Portland icons and someone who is a pleasure to know and be in community with. All right, thank you all. Um, it is now time for audience questions. As noted earlier, City Club solicited questions in advance from which we selected the following. Each of you is going to have 60 seconds to respond. Bill had a question on the Portland Clean Energy Plan and the Community Benefits Fund. Have you been following the recent reporting on the PCEF? Do you have a position on whether the Grants Council is living up to its duties of transparency and accountability in making awards? And do you have suggestions for improvements? Uh, AJ, I believe you go first on this one. Uh, I think that the PCEF grant is an amazing project and it's really exciting for our community. I um, definitely, it's not, it's not something that's in crisis. I do think there are some small pivots or adjustments that they can make to help it more accessible to community and also um, that can help it really live to what its goals are. Uh, if you read it, there are some small things that are not working out in terms of the um, the actual implementation, but those are things that come up when you have something new. So we need more time with this. PCEF is an incredible opportunity for our city. It's one of the ways that we can be leading in change. And the work that's happening around that is absolutely magic and a blessing to see and something that we need more of. We just need more of it. It is working and it is exciting to watch. And I am really proud to see that our city has invested in this way. Mr. Ryan. Yeah, first of all, I think that Commissioner Rubio is on this issue and she's really leading well. I thought her opinion piece that appeared uh, recently in the Sunday paper was uh, was really spot on. I think that it's really important when we're building with small grassroots organizations in the BIPOC community in East Portland where many of the grants are going, we have to work with them and not, um, and not ever shame or, or scold them for the challenges it is to build an organization. Being a, a, from the nonprofit community, you, can, you really need to incrementally build your organization. It's very challenging when you get a really large gift in a short period of time. And so we have to help them with technical assistance as they build. And it's so important that we invest in communities that are most impacted by climate justice, all good, all good, Paul, all good practice is from the ground up. And so I think that we're onto something with this and it's new and we're working out the kinks and I really appreciate Commissioner Rubio's leadership on this. Uh, thank you. Several people posed questions about how we track and better assist people living um, on the streets. Tommy notes that some cities have reduced houselessness through close coordination of local groups providing houseless advocacy or services and by shifting from point in time counts to living databases of unhoused individuals' needs and backgrounds. This reportedly helps connect houseless people with personalized solutions that may improve their situation. Do you have a position on this approach or a different plan for how to do this more effectively in Portland? Uh, Commissioner Ryan, you're first on this one. I not only have a position, but I've actually taken action and leadership on this. I did notice early on that we struggled in terms of having data, real-time data that would allow us to really know where we are and where we're going. And so that's why I brought the contract into the joint office 
from Community Solutions Point in Time Count. They've been doing this nationally, and it's a it's an organization that will help us as trainers build that type of culture. So it's so essential. And it's also necessary. We've had a lot, we had a very important vote two years ago, here together measure passed, and high earners are now providing much of that revenue. And they need to know exactly how we're spending the money, what results we're getting. So we need to be much more transparent also with a dashboard on how that's going. But in terms of services, it's all about services first for me. So it is about meeting people where they are and guiding them into services. It's a big leap to go from living on the streets, especially if you're chronically houseless, into permanent housing. And we need more support for that. Thank you, AJ. Yeah, um, I think that when we're talking about how we move out of this current crisis, we really need to be uh, talking and engaging and giving advocacy and agency to the folks that are houseless, that are having this lived experience. And we need to be really investing in community-based organizations in real time and ongoing to help adjust this. Uh, part of this, let's keep a database, is very much for rich white folks. It's not for individuals who are experiencing this. They're not looking at a database. They're looking for resources and services. And so I very much do understand us wanting to track, but we also need to be spending that same amount of energy or more in the actual solutions, the actual work, and the actual care. So uh, my, my big thing is invest in CBOs that are already doing the work. We already have people on the ground. We need to make sure that we're investing in that work for long-time solutions. Like this can't just be the way that we're interfacing with CBOs. It is very haphazardly. And CBOs is community benefit organizations? Com Community-based organizations. Based organizations. Thank you. Um, Zenab posts a question about safety. What is your specific experience with community safety initiatives in Portland in recent years? Have you been involved in public discussions related to policy reforms and future planning that you could report to us? AJ, you're first on this one. Um, I've been in community and a lot of different boards and spaces talking about community safety, doing work. Uh, a lot of, I mean, I always am going to go back to invest in community, invest in CBOs, community-based organizations doing the work in real time. That is how we address public safety. It's like such a simple and obvious thing, but it's not happening. It's not happening today. It's not happening last week. And it hasn't been happening in the last two years or 10 years, longer than that. So I absolutely would like to be seeing changes in public safety. And we know that is going to be through investing in our community in real time. Well-resourced communities are safe communities. I can say that every day, all day long, and it just gets more true and real every time I say it. Thank you, Commissioner Ryan. Yes, I'm excited to be part of a city council that is investing in a comprehensive holistic community safety system. We, uh, as you know, the system includes many pieces. One is the 911 system, who you call and then who will respond. And I think it's important that we have the right responders show up at the right time. I'm really excited about the integration. I have not enjoyed some of the rhetoric that pits different responders against one another. We all need each other. The police need the Portland Street response, Portland Street response needs fire. They all are part of a team. I think our biggest concern we have, not just in Portland, but in the entire state, is where do we take people when they need support? Where do we take them to receive restorative uh, building uh, that they need to build their resilience? Again, since we when we have the least amount of treatment centers, uh, that's not a good that's not a good plan right now. So we have to invest 
And I'm glad that the legislature is now putting more money into behavioral health. We have to expand that. And we have to also bring back the sobering stations that would be redesigned. So they're actually uh, built for people who are um, taking the new meth that's causing much aggressive activity. So we have some building to do, thanks. Thank you both for your responses and thank you to the city club members who submitted questions. It's now time for closing statements. AJ gave the first opening statement and then, and because of that also gives the first closing statement. You've got two minutes. Uh, I am as a longtime Portlander, right? I've born and raised here. I am rooted in this community and invest in this community. Like I mentioned earlier, I wouldn't be doing the on the ground work raising capital and investing in community in real time. I have raised and put $4 million into our community during COVID. I have prioritized black and brown business owners to really help revitalize our economy. This is the kind of energy that we need in City Hall. We need folks that are willing to do hard work, who are willing to prioritize the most marginalized folks in the space and who are rooted in community. During the entire pandemic, I didn't see City Hall anywhere. They were not on the streets. They were not helping. Matter of fact, we were in City Hall asking to stop being brutalized by the police. And City Hall was not interested in really making that change. We need a different change. If anybody remembers the 2020, 2021 protests, we were crying in the streets asking for change. You saw leaders not in City Hall that were doing direct care, direct services, and moving things in our community, making sure that people were taken care of whole and safe. We need that leadership in City Hall. When I am elected, I'll be the first millennial in that space. I will be the first person to bring city, like city community members into City Hall. That is the energy, that is a shift that we need. And I'm asking folks right now to invest in change, to invest in the future of this city and to help got me into office and to help us make real change in real time. We're not getting that with the current leadership. To invest in that is silly. Can't keep doing the same old thing to get different results. So vote for me. I'm your next Portland City Commissioner for seat number two. Yeah, first of all, again, thank you City Club for hosting this debate. Thank you for all those that are tuned in. It's really an honor to be here. Yeah, it's something I've been saying lately because it's what I experience. Uh, I was thrown into the, I, I was able to start serving the city in September of 2020. And instantly what I learned is that, okay, now it's yours. And I, so I feel like this surgeon, I'm at the table doing surgery the best I can. And the family, all Portlanders are yelling sometimes at me because I, I guess I clogged everyone's arteries the last 20 years. And the fact is it, we didn't get here overnight, but we can, we can work together to move forward. And I think as a collaborative bridge builder, I think the best action is when policy, practice, and more action provides the necessary results for community-wide goals. And I've proven that in my experience with working in the arts, education, healthcare, and now housing, homelessness, and community safety. And guess what? All those dots connect. There's no silos when it comes to big picture services. So the headwinds and the political noise is really persistent and loud. That's just where we, that's just what it's like in 2022. And I've proven that I can take a punch, not take it personally and just get the work done. And so I'll have the courage, humility and the values to be persistent to serve everyone. And by the way, government's not gonna get us out of this ditch we're in alone. It's gonna take cross-sector engagement and that includes the nonprofit community and yes, the private sector. We have to all come together, all sectors proving that we can all work together 
to love on this city and move it forward. And I'm just getting started and I so look forward to serving a full term for my hometown. And if you would like to know more about me, go to Dan Ryan for Portland. It's an honor to serve you. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes our candidate debate. Thank you to Commissioner Ryan and Alana A.J. McCreary for being with us and for answering all of our questions. It's not easy being in the public eye in our current political environment, and we honor your commitment in taking on this important task. And thank you to City Club for giving me the opportunity to moderate this debate. City Club has four more debates coming up. The other city council race, Multnomah County Chair, and both the Democratic and Republican gubernatorial primary debates Check out pdx.cityclub.org to register for those or find a recording of this debate and the previous Multnomah County Sheriff's debate on demand. This concludes our program. Thank you and have a great day.